0: Welcome to this week's edition of Time to Talk. I'm your host, Sean Sannett, and today it's a very interesting uh, special episode I've got for you. Uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda, the, you know, genius writer um, who wrote Hamilton. Of course, he's an American songwriter, actor, singer, filmmaker. The list goes on and on, and apart from Hamilton, there's In the Heights, then he's written the music for things like Moana and and Encanto. And he was in Brisbane for a press conference, which is, um, it was, yeah, a, quite a r- random, rare thing for him to turn up in Brisbane for a, a performance of Hamilton and do a few media things. And I was invited along to a press conference. And those things are kind of like you've got TV people there, uh, you've got uh, some journalists there, uh, everybody has their shot, right? They've got my shot, which is to ask one question. And I thought, for me, the great thing about him is his songwriting. I want to ask him about how does he write a song? And he gave such a beautiful, thoughtful answer, uh, particularly in regards to Hamilton, that I thought, yeah, that's worth us condensing this and doing a very, very short podcast with uh, Lin-Manuel talking about songwriting. A couple of other journalists then asked questions about songwriting also so I just let the tape run a little bit and I thought we'd package it together it only goes for 10 minutes or so but it's a fascinating insight into the mind of one of the the great writers in the modern world so here he is uh, Lynn manuel Miranda chatting about songwriting You've written uh, so many songs for characters and for other projects as well. I'm curious about your songwriting process. Do you get a germ of an idea and work on it quickly, or do you save things and park them and come back to them? How how does that work?
1: Yeah, I'm really egalitarian. I'll take it whatever way it wants to show up. (laughs) I do believe they show up, and, um, you know, different songwriters have, have different theories about it. There's a famous story of, you know, Michael Jackson's insomnia and someone said, Michael, why don't you get some sleep? If I go to sleep, God will give the song to Prince.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, I, mean, I love that story. <laughs>
1: um, but, but, you know, it's... Uh, Hamilton's a fantastic example because there, every kind of song got written in every kind of way for that. You're just trying to... You're telling a really big, complicated story. So, you know, my shot took over a year, and it was six months before I ever sat at the piano. It was very much a lyrics-first show, because I knew my thesis was Hamilton's The Best Writer of It, so his bars better be good. (laughs) And I just worked on his bars over different beats. I wanted wanted these bars to be good over this beat and this beat, before I ever put my hands on the keys. Um, You'll Be Back showed up on my honeymoon without a piano anywhere in sight. Um, the yada da 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 got stuck in my head and um, I think the reason it's so catchy is because I had to remember it for the two weeks I was in Bora Bora with my wife until I could get back to a piano uh, you know, in, in the real world because um, I was in a you know, cabana um, and, um, and then there are songs like um, you know, That Would Be Enough which is a song Eliza sings to her husband You won't find that in a history there is no historical precedent for her saying, I just need you alive and to be my husband. Um, that came in about 45 minutes, and I remember very tearfully, <laughs> my wife hates when I tell this story. <laughs> I remember very tearfully playing it for my, my wife uh, as I you know, I sing the song That Would Be Enough, and it's very much inspired by her and to her. And she looks at me with, like, kind of like you look at, she kind of went, oh, I do wish I would sing that to you. So, you know, and that one was very much one where the melody came first. So, yeah. um, it really, I'll, I'll take it however it comes.
0: Yeah, thank you.
1: Hello, Claudia Coy, massive fan, have to say. So, thank you for what you created. Is there one song or one moment that always gives you goosebumps in the show? There's several. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I really remember. <laughs> I, it, it's very funny. I always planned these. You know, I knew I was going to go on stage and, and thank everybody for coming last night, and I had a whole, really pretty nice speech planned. Forgetting that I have to watch the show too, and then I'm a mess during the last number because I remember how hard I cried writing the number. Um, As usual with me, I'm very deadline based as a writer. Um, It was the morning of a workshop and we were gonna be performing it in front of trusted friends and collaborators. And I hadn't written the last song yet. So I woke up at four in the morning with the Chair Now book and just all of the things Eliza did in the remaining 50 years of her life. And I would write one sentence and I would cry. And then I would write another sentence and I would cry. And I remember my dog in the corner just being like, (laughs) <laughs> I remember my wife, who was not in show business, being like, do you need water? <laughs> what am I supposed to give you? And I go, this is just the way it has to come out. <laughs> it's just how it's coming out this time. And then I got to the orphanage, and i crying again. And so uh, when I watch that number, that comes back to me. That um, just the labor pains of, of having to write it. And I know sometimes people get misty-eyed at the end of the show, but they didn't cry as hard as I did. Um, there's an amazing scene in uh, one of my favorite books, like Water for Chocolate, um, where Tita is cooking uh, for her sister's wedding to the love of her life, and um, she's so miserable that the love of her life is marrying her sister and not her. She cries into the recipe, and everyone who eats the cake just starts bursting into tears because it, her tears are in the recipe. That's kind of how I feel about the last song in this show. Beautiful. I cried in the recipe. I don't know what I mean, Hi, I'm Tegan. Um, I, guess I, I noticed in the show last night there was a few different hip-hop references. Like Obviously, there's more obvious ones like uh, Biggie, When you, if you don't know, now you know. Yeah. And Ten how you revealed events. this morning in the Q&A how Rise Up is Busta Rhymes, of Bossier, Part 2. I was like, that blew my mind. Yeah. But what do you think is your most um, niche reference, or mas- maybe most surprising reference you've made within the writing of him? Yeah, you know, I really tried to Again, my, my goal was to create as many on ramps for folks. This is all the things I love put into this show, and over written over the course of six years. So there was just as many musical theater references as there are um, hip hop references, and I wanted uh, I wanted hip hop fans to be like, oh, just quarter pound deep. And I, so, and I also, you know, wanted um, you know when Burr says you've got to be carefully talk if you talk you're going to get shot. I wanted you know, stuffy musical theater fans are like, oh, rap music,
0: musical <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: Andresa Z. Hammerstein, okay. Um, and uh, I mean, I, my, my favorite one is uh, Nobody Needs to Know at the End of uh, Say No to This, which is a reference to Jason Robert Brown's The Last Five Years. It's the great infidelity anthem uh, of that show. I mean, great is probably the wrong word. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's a beautiful and just heartbreaking and makes you feel gross uh, song and I realized. <laughs> I remember getting to the end of writing and being like, "Oh, that would be really good there," <laughs> and, and calling Jason Robert Brown, being like, "I'm gonna wholesale quote this line if that's okay," and he's a good friend, and <laughs> I went forth with his blessing. Um, but it's it's fun when people then see the last five years ago. Um, you know, it's fun either way.
0: Yeah.